Welcome. Check out this fantastic podcast. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, TEDx keynote speaker and best-selling author. I'm with you on this journey every week. If you have any interest in podcasts, living life to the max, and how you can get your own TEDx talk, within the next three months, you need to reach out to me. Go over, follow all the links, and head over to ayalpha.com, head over to Facebook, and search for Awaken Your Alpha with ALW, and jump on the inside. Let's connect, let's take it to the next level. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Origins, biggest failures, fears, awakening moments, the alpha round to finish. Right, I hope you're ready to thrive today. We have an absolutely legendary interview today. We have Cole Hatter on the line, and he is the man behind Thrive. He is a serial entrepreneur, and I say that because I don't want to do a long bio and take up the whole show of it. He's done a lot. He's built, built several multi-million dollar businesses. He's all about making money matter now. And so we're going to dig it. He's got a podcast, TV. He's got all sorts going on. So we're going to dig straight into it. Cole, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Oh, I stay ready so I ain't got to get ready. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, is there anything you'd like to add or anything you'd like to highlight? Yeah, just these beautiful women right here in my life. I'm a, I'm a dad and a husband, and uh, that's it, man. They're the, they're the most important to me. So awesome. hold up, hold up. My wife got me this phone case for uh, Christmas, but uh, those are my ladies. Nice, nice. So how was that? You got two daughters? Yeah, two daughters and a wife and two girl dogs. So it's nothing but estrogen <laughs> up in here. So wow. awaken your alpha. Uh, definitely, <laughs> I can resonate with because I'm I'm drowning in estrogen. <laughs> I can relate to that and kind of, I would think uh, I've got two boys. So I'm, I'm the flip side in terms of you uh, know, yeah, I, yeah. The, every year that goes by, I've, they're four and six. They're getting more, you know, they're going to be backing me up. They're, they're getting more testosterone going on around the house yeah. uh, with lots of uh, bundling and, and play fighting. So um, yeah, I can only imagine uh, a house full of women, but I'm sure no. there's lots of, I'm sure it's absolutely awesome. But yeah, you, you need, to awaken your alpha daily, I'm sure, as we would do. <laughs> For sure. That's why, uh, anyway, t- chats like this are always welcomed. So, but uh, yeah, no, you nailed the, you nailed the intro. I've, I own a couple of businesses. Uh, I love my life, but uh, my number one is being daddy and husband to those three girls. Spot on for this show. And, and that's, I mean, I talked to you before the interview, the tagline of Thrive, make money matter. And the whole, what your whole ethos, what you're about is just spot on for this show. So within that, can you kind of, dig into your origins. We just sort of gloss over, yeah, built several multi-million dollar businesses and serial entrepreneur. That's a point, you know, that we probably shouldn't gloss over because a lot of people listen to that thinking, wow, like I would like to do that. Or how do you do that? So like, where are you originally from? And what did you want to be growing up? Did I see a fireman? You wanted to be a fireman or something like that? And, And how did you get to this point? Yeah, it was actually. So where am I from is Orange County, California. It's where I am right now. I'm at my home office, which is kind of uh, staging for Thrive. There's a bunch of Thrive crap over here. <laughs> but uh, so I live in Orange County. I was born and raised uh, here. I was born in Newport Beach. Um, nice. Moved around a bit, yeah. but came back. And uh, as far as, yeah, my career path. So I was a firefighter. I didn't just want to be was. Oh. Um, while nice. I was in high school, I took evening classes and weekend classes at the junior college to have all my stuff taken care of so that when I graduated high school, I also already had all my prerequisites done for the fire academy and went right into the fire service. Uh, two years later was when I got in that car accident, and there was two accidents two months apart that, that 
uh, temporarily into that career. And yeah. that, that was when we didn't know like how well I would recover yeah. or how well I would do. And so well, I was going to, I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, again, necessarily don't want to gloss over it too much or, but, or we, we can depend on how you feel about, it, but we asked it, you know, around the origin question or even the awakened moment, like when, when did things change for you? And uh, I was going to ask about the Vegas trip and, you know, around that time, um, I mean, could you just sort of, for the listeners, again, you can go into it as much or as little depth as you want, but uh, can no, you tell it's... us a little bit about that? Period. I'll go as deep as you want. We could spend the rest of the show talking about that. So um, I'll, I'll be brief and then you ask as many questions as okay. you'd like to go as okay. deep as you want. But uh, so firefighter at 19, fast forward to years, it's 21. And my two best friends and I were leaving for Vegas. Like you said, I live here in SoCal. So we're driving out to Vegas and we didn't make it. Uh, we got in a rollover car accident. Two of us were ejected. Matt, who was not ejected, was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. Steve and I, who were ejected, got rushed to the hospital in a helicopter because we were not doing very well. Uh, we had uh, substantial injuries, life-threatening injuries. And uh, the, the long and the short of that is that Matt and I survived and Steve didn't. So that, that rocked my world because not only had I just been in a near-death experience, but I lost my best friend in that experience. And so I had the grief of losing him and the guilt of surviving. Fast forward two months later, Matt, the other survivor from that car accident, he and I fell into a mine shaft together uh, he fell all the way to the bottom. I made it out. He didn't. And so uh, he did not survive that. Oh, my so, God. And that was 66 days later. So in 66 days, I lost the two most important people to me at 21 years old. were my, yeah. two, best, my, yeah, my bros, two best buddies. Bro. And uh, they were in accidents that I was in as well. So, you know, if I would have gotten a phone call one day from mom that my two best friends had passed, I, it would have crushed me. It would have been devastating. But the fact that I was in the accidents with them um, was was overwhelming to say the least. And so, so I had to move back with my parents after the car accident. So I'm now living at home with mom and dad, you know, I'd gotten out of a wheelchair and on a crutches. And so, you know, I was moving around a bit, still not sure how well I would do, uh, physically or if firefighting was ever an option, but decided, you know, would be an option, which by the way, I'm sitting in a chair now, but I'm totally healthy. I can walk around and work out and all that stuff. Um, but uh, uncertain times then. So I turned towards entrepreneurship, started my business, my first business that was in June of 2012. I'm sorry, June of 2005, yeah. uh, which was 12 years ago, not 2012. Yeah. And so as of recording this, I literally just hit my 12 year anniversary. Um, and uh, that was it, man. I started one business and it didn't work out. And uh, I've started several since. And actually, here's what I really say. I've started probably 30 businesses, 26 of them have failed and four have worked out. Uh, so that's, we can talk a lot about that too, yeah. a failure ratio over success ratio and how most people fail once and quit. Yeah. Um, I had to fail a handful of times to find the one that worked, but, uh, but back to the life story that, you know, that's, that's what changed my perspective on what I would do with my time. That's what changed my perspective on what I would do with my money. Uh, and that's what gave me this fire under my butt to make my life matter because yeah. all of us know life is precious. You know, we, we all have lost somebody, a friend, a, a grandparent, somebody in our lives and we realize that you know we get 80 to 100 years on this earth and that's it until your 21 year old best friends die and then you realize oh my gosh i might not have 80 years uh and i had this thing in my mind where i'd be like oh i'm going to be successful i'm going to have a family i'm going to get serious about my life later i'm young yeah I'm just yeah i was going to say that the average 21 year old are in party boy mode um, exactly especially and heading so, to vegas and you think you always think you've got like i'm sure your body's they've got plenty of time to do the things when totally. the time comes totally um, yeah that must have been like an app well more than a slap around the face, blimey. Yeah, yeah. And so realized, shoot, you know, I should probably start making my life matter now. And so that was kind of the genesis of where everything else has become. 
Uh, I again turned towards entrepreneurship because we didn't know how well I'd do physically. Yeah. Um, and then through that journey had some crazy life experiences as well that that's made me want to make my money matter. Like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, and that was actually something that was born down in Mexico. So, wow. Um, I mean, I have to, you said, ask any questions and and I thought it's a minor thing in some ways that it's still on my mind in the, the original car crash. Did you two who got ejected, you didn't have your seatbelts on and your other friend did? Is that how it worked? Uh, Steve not? did not have his on. I had mine on. But uh, the only thing that holds you from going backwards is the back of the seat, like this chair I'm sitting right yeah. now. So your seatbelt is for front impact. If you hit yeah. something, your seatbelt holds you. But while the car was flipping, oh. the, the seat itself broke and laid flat. So I actually shot out the back window. And it's crazy. Uh, there are pictures of the car from the accident where uh, the seatbelt was still buckled uh, in place. I just slid out the back oh because the seat God. itself broke. So, so I was wearing a seatbelt, with, but with that type of mechanism, as we call it, with, yeah. with a rotating car, um, apparently my body went against the seat so hard that I, I broke the seat flat and shot out the back window. My goodness. Blimey. So, I mean, so you talked about how many businesses kind of your, your success to failure ratio. And, and I love that it comes through a lot in a lot of people that I interviewed that kind of, you only need to hit one home run. Like you say, I mean, even if that ratio was like 30 and one, but then you're in your one business now and it's, and you're, you know, you're enjoying life and you're doing well and you're making money matter. Ultimately that's how many successes do you need to have in your life? You could have like one big one and just run with that. So right. tell me about, and that's easier to say like in a position you are now to look back, but tell me about the, them early businesses and, and probably what you learned from them. What do you think you was getting wrong? Not saying you got everything wrong, but what do you think you were getting the mistakes you were making in the early days? Uh, so there's so many. I'm going to say that it was just the wrong product, uh, wrong timing, wrong marketing, I think is what they would be the largest net to throw on why they didn't work out. Wrong product. I thought it was going to be a great idea and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought, oh man, everyone's going to love this and they didn't. Uh, wrong timing. Uh, that was my real estate business. You know, I, I got started in 2005. Then 2008, I learned a lesson here in oh, America. Yeah. We all hit a recession. That sucked. Yeah. Um, and then wrong marketing, you know, you can have the can the cure for cancer, but if you can't get it in front of people, you're not helping anybody. And uh, I'm not a marketer by trade and I was too cheap to get professionals to market my stuff for me. And so just me trying to bootstrap, get it out in the front of the world. Uh, I didn't get things out quickly enough. And so I would say that those are the three biggest reasons why businesses have failed. And the one thing that thank God through good coaching and, and reading and just believing in myself that, that allowed me to continue to try again was I knew that I wasn't the failure. It was what I just shared. Like, hey, it's not you, Cole. Mm. This t-shirt company that I started in high school, it's just the wrong, it's, it's just not gonna work. People don't like the name of the company. They don't like your logos. It's not about you. And so I think where a lot of people personalize their failures and they think it's about themselves, it rarely is. I can point out dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs that had multiple failures before they hit their success. All you hear about is the success because that's what made them famous or whatever. But so many entrepreneurs fail one, two, 10 dozen times before they find their success. And the common theme is that we know we can do it. We just got to find the right product. It's like dating. Oh, I'm, I've never used this analogy before. So here's, mm -hmm. here's one fresh in my mind. Uh, you know, chances are through probably maybe junior high school, you start getting serious about the opposite sex. So mm -hmm. junior high school, high school, and probably even college, you probably date. Maybe even if you include elementary school, 15 to 20 different girls, right? By the time you find the one you're going to marry, I'm talking like, you know, playing tag on the playground and, and junior, <laughs> yeah. or what is that? Yeah. Elementary school through, through the serious relationships you have in high school and college. 
And the fact that some of those girls or guys, depending on who you are, uh, might not have worked out for you doesn't mean that you aren't someone that can be in a relationship. Yeah, it just means you're with the point. wrong yeah, person. You don't just think, just because you have a bad relationship, you don't think, oh, that's it. I'm giving up on that. No, and everyone <laughs> yeah. kind of understands that. Society yeah. kind of gets that. All this relationship sucked and they immediately are now on the market to find the next one. You know how many, how many of my friends that had a bad breakup were like, let's go to a bar. I need to meet someone new. So they immediately know <laughs> That, yeah. Although they, they took they, the attitude to business, they would be very successful. That's the, that's it, right? That that we of course, if a relationship fails, have to acknowledge our part in that. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we can't ever succeed in a relationship. It means we yeah. need to find the right person. And so that's the same thing with business. For so many of us that are successful, it's like you date your idea. Yeah. I, I try this T-shirt company, didn't work. I tried this other company, didn't work. I tried a merchant processing company, didn't work. Uh, I tried a real estate company, it worked. I tried Thrive, it worked. So. So it's never me being the failure. It's just the idea of the, of the product or the industry or the timing that didn't work. Yeah. And I just need to reevaluate and either change it to make it work or quit it all together and try something new. Yeah. And I think it's important, like you said, about the timing and how you explain your first few businesses. Like people, some, in some cases, you get a really nice person, another really nice person. They're both good looking. On paper, it looks brilliant. And there's nothing wrong with everyone. It's just not a fit. And it could be right. like that for businesses at the time. And uh, totally. yeah, really good, really good kind of uh, example. Uh, and this, this next question, your answer, I'm going to ask kind of two together because I think the answers could be similar. It's the Yoda question. So who helped awaken your alpha around that period? And also, when did it start? When did you start to have some kind of success that gave you a bit of you know, momentum and you started to, to run with the idea and you felt like, oh, this one isn't going to be a dud. This, is gonna, this one's got legs. So good news, bad news. Good news is my first big business actually worked. Bad news is I had an unrealistic expectation. So I started a, a clothing company in high school. It didn't work out. So I had these little side hustles, many of them that didn't work. But the first time I was like, okay, I'm actually going to have an LLC, pay taxes, you know, like instead of selling t-shirts out of my trunk, which <laughs> yeah. is exactly how Damon John started FUBU, right? Yeah, so it's like, I love that story. Yeah. Right, right. So, so instead of just selling t-shirts out of my trunk, trunk and it not getting enough legs quickly enough or I didn't hustle hard enough or whatever, uh, like actually a business was real estate investing where I opened an LLC. I asked my father to be my business partner. We went out there, we raised money, we started buying and selling real estate. It actually worked phenomenally well very quickly, which is a bad thing because I thought that I was a star entrepreneur and that, you know, you better watch out world where it was just good timing. Uh, I started my business, like I said earlier, in 2005 and real estate in California was exploding in 2005. And literally my dad and I would buy a house count to 10 and sell it for a massive profit. It was that easy. I remember yeah. laughing like, why does anyone ever get a job? And then 2008 <laughs> taught me a brutal lesson that, yeah. oops, I don't actually know how to invest in real estate. I was just buying things that were going up. So selling them once they did for more than I paid for them. Um, and so I had to I actually shut that company down, took like 10 months away and then rebuilt it with a more sustainable model that can make money, whether it goes up or down. Yeah. But uh, so, so my first try worked. Then once I'm doing that, 2008 comes, I get my buck kicked. From 2008 to 2011, I probably started 10 different ideas. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of them even took them all the way to being an LLC or whatever. And they just didn't work out. They were just not the right idea. It was the wrong timing, whether it was the recession and it was like a commodity type product. Like for instance, uh, what's a commodity? Masseuses. There's a, a chain called Massage Envy. And I guarantee you, if you look at their sales in the recession, things were way down. Because if you've got some neck pain, Right now, the economy is great. You just go get a massage. Yeah. Uh, if you have some neck pain in 2010 and you just got unemployed and your house is in foreclosure, that massage isn't as important. So yeah. <laughs> some of my ideas were like that. There were commodities where 
people with money would buy them. And I started them in a recession where people by far didn't have that type of discretionary income. And so, so I, but I knew that I was like, well, you know what? That was the wrong time to do some commodity type business. And so, uh, it's just, it's, I think it's self-awareness that Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about, but then product awareness, I, you know, who am I as an entrepreneur? That's self-awareness. And then product awareness, is this the best idea? Or is it just a good idea to me? And is this the right, uh, the right timing? Right. And so, uh, I knew that. And so I had the real estate business that was success. 2008 turned into a failure. I had a whole string of failures. And then uh, finally, again, had some more success afterwards. You tell us about Thrive. And, and within that, I mean, I don't know if, if there was a key figure that, again, you might not have been directly in contact that, that inspired you or just did oh, you get yeah, any I advice? I forgot that yet? question. Sorry. Who's my <laughs> was it? It was it all year. <laughs> my bad. I got so, I got no so lost worries. in the no, business. No, I love it. You got into it, man. It's all good. So do you want that Yoda still or? Yeah, I want a Yoda. Who, okay, so for me, that would, that, would, that, would be, that would be Than Merrill. That would be Than Merrill. So as I just said, I, I made a lot of money from 2005 to 2008 because it was easy. Yeah. 2008, I got hammered. Um, and I, I slowly hemorrhaged my company into the ground from 2008 to 2010. By 2010, I was losing so much money every month in my real estate business. I just had to shut it down. I couldn't afford to keep it. I couldn't afford to keep paying people. I couldn't yeah. afford to keep the doors open. So it was, it was cheaper to quit the business than it was to try to keep it alive. Took 10 months off. And then in 2011, I went to a three-day real estate training conference. Uh, Fan Merrill was on stage teaching. And uh, I ended up buying his coaching program. And then I said, you know, thousands of people buy his coaching program, but somehow I'm going to make him my friend. And so I went <laughs> through this whole stalker phase and it worked out. And Fan Merrill is a very good friend of mine now. We talk every single Tuesday for an hour to an hour and a half for the last five years. Nice. Uh, good good years now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it works. And that's a whole nother story. But uh, I just added value. Just bottom line is I sent him an email every three or four days giving him ideas on how to make his business better. Awesome. And he didn't respond for months. And then finally, after literally have sending him, no, this is it. I'm not even kidding you. After sending him, I say this could be a whole other podcast. How to stalk someone effective. Oh dude, it works. Yeah. So after sending him probably close to a hundred emails with just one or two words, cause I know he's worth a hundred million bucks. His businesses do almost 400 million a year. He's a busy guy. Just one or two ideas. Hey Than, I saw your website. You should make your font bigger. Hey Than, like just anything yeah. I could think of. Uh, hey, Than, I heard your radio ad. The phone numbers you know, jumbled. You should use a vanity. Them. Oh, I'm just trying to remember yeah, what I yeah. sent. Um, he finally was like, dude, let's have lunch. And so I got myself a meeting and I pitched him on the idea. And bottom line is he was my Yoda because not only did I buy his coaching program, but then with the personal relationship we developed, uh, he showed me how to make money in a business and in real estate, whether the economy is going up, down, left, right, whatever. And I went on to make millions of dollars. And so a lot of that is other education I got and just good old fashioned hard work. But the catalyst, the Yoda that got me from broke to on my track to becoming a millionaire was definitely Than Merrill. Awesome. So now we fast forward to where you are in this position and like you're doing well. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, what's it all about? Make money matter. When did Thrive come along? What, when was the kind of the idea for that? And tell us, tell, well, tell everyone about Thrive. What's it all about? Yeah. So I'll answer the first question. I won't remember. I won't forget the second one this time. So uh, Thrive was in that 10 month period. So uh, before becoming a student of Thans and going off to make millions of dollars, uh, when I was losing all my money and then eventually shut down my business, I actually moved to Mexico for seven of those 10 months that I quit business. And I worked full time with a nonprofit organization and I was building houses for homeless families. And I ended up starting or helping start an orphanage down there that I still have to this day, seven days later or seven years later, excuse me. It's <laughs> like, <So> you're quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seven days, seven years later. And so I still got my orphans down there. My wife and I visit them frequently. And so, um, I saw how, even though I was living off what little savings I had, so I shut my business down 
in February of 2010. I moved to Mexico in June of 2010. And I saw that even though I was not making any active money, the little bit that I had left from my days of business could go so far in helping people. I was feeding an entire orphanage for a few hundred dollars a month. Wow. And I was like, this is insane. You know, I had multiple six figure months. I, I never made seven figures up until uh, my comeback after the, after yeah. the Yoda. But that first <laughs> three years, 2005, 2008, I never made seven figures, but I would have six figure months on occasion. You know, there were certain months where I'd make a hundred grand in a month. Yeah. So, so I was bawling for like a 22 year old, right? That, um, yeah. That is got to put that into context. That is. Yeah. Was, that was, that was, <laughs> that was 22 to 25 and then it was all gone. And so now I moved to Mexico at 26. I'm 26 years old living in Mexico and a few hundred bucks could feed orphans where I was spending $3,000 a month on just car payments. Cause I had to have all these escalades and all this crap yeah. and boats and so I've, I felt a little bit embarrassed that when I had money, I spent it on myself and that now that I had to sell all that crap or lose it all because I lost my income, I had nothing to show for it. And so I became obsessed with the idea of making money matter to your question that I could spend 200 bucks for um, a couple of ritzy dinners or I guess one ritzy dinner yeah. or I could spend $200 and for an entire month feed 20 orphans. And so I, again, I personally spending my own money in a way that I got to personally witness the result, like giving money to charity is cool. And I recommend people do it, Yeah, but you don't get to see where your actual dollars I know what you mean. Spent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it just, it's just like a knuck, chucking it out there a number. And even nowadays you, you never know what, you know, what's going to be done with that money, even right, if it goes yeah, to a specific some... organization and, and how much takes a cut. Whereas if you go direct to source almost is very fulfilling. You're more likely to do it again. Number one, which is the important thing and make it a part of your lifestyle, much like by the sounds of Thrive has done. Me going to the grocery store, buying the groceries, taking it to the orphanage and feeding the children resonated. So, so that's what happened. I came back to America. I found my Yoda. I started making money in real estate again, started some other businesses, went off to make millions of dollars. And I designed what's called the four purpose business model in my new companies where you, just did, it, I got a, you just did a TEDx talk, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I yeah. Because I, I, that's a big thing for me. I love TED talks, TEDx talks. And so congratulations on that. And that's what just sort of jogged. So sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah. So that's what know. I did. That's that what I did my TEDx talk on is how to start a for purpose yeah. business. And the idea worth sharing is instead of starting a nonprofit and having to go raise money, start a for purpose where it's a self-sustaining ecosystem. It can pay its own bills and uh, your initiative. So that's my argument to the world. Hey, nonprofits are cool, but why don't the businesses just solve the social needs or, or needs of the world? Uh, and so instead of starting a nonprofit to, to go and battle what it is that you love mm -hmm. and then hoping to God, people will give you money, start a business that just takes care of that problem. And so that's what my wife and I did. Um, and so the idea to your first question of where Thrive came from was feeding children in, in Mexico and saying, holy crap, making money matter is actually a way to buy happiness. People say you can't buy happiness. That's baloney. Mm. Try buying a starving child food. And when you see them eat and you see their eyes looking at you as they're feeding themselves, if that doesn't make you happy, you're, a, you're just not alive. You need yeah. to check the pulse. <laughs> Robots. Um, and then I came home and started these businesses that gave back and it caught some attention. I had some articles written on Inc, Forbes and Huffington Post and got to do podcasts like this where I'm sharing that message with the world. And it was clear there was a group of people who were thirsty for doing more than just making money, but making a difference. And so my wife and I said, well, let's just try throwing a live event where instead of talking about it on podcasts, I can actually teach people live. And so that's what Thrive became. So to your second question, what is Thrive? Uh, <laughs> it's the evolution of that story that I just shared with you. Yep. And what we do for three days is we bring in some of the most 
brilliant business minds and thought leaders of the world. Some of the names that have been at our events are Gary Vaynerchuk, oh, Robert Hershevek yeah. from Shark Tank, Grant Cardone, Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, John Asraf, like just absolute gangsters. And for three <laughs> days, we teach our audience how to make more money. And then my role of what I teach on my stage is how to then start a for-purpose business and make their money matter. So by Sunday, they've had three days of the best content from the most successful people in our world while being taught how to go and make their money matter. So come Monday morning, they can apply what they've just learned. It's not fluff. It's like two plus two yeah. plus four. They know exactly what to do. And then at the same time are making it, uh, making an impact. Started 2015. We had another one, 2016. And this year it's uh, September 29th through yeah. October 1st in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Hard Rock Hotel. And so yeah, I saw, I checked that just before the interview. And yeah. I also saw recently, because obviously this is my thing as well. You started a podcast of Thrive um, in April this year. I had like 40 hours of content from, like, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I think it's 43 hours to be exact. And so I should start grabbing these little audio clips, two to three minutes and just sharing them via a podcast to get that yeah. content out there. So that was it. Absolutely awesome. So within this, now we're going to go into the alpha round. So are there any resources amongst what you use on a daily, weekly basis that really help you run either your businesses or your life? Like you say, obviously, the life is probably more important in some ways in terms of obviously you've got two young girls scheduling and just sure. being productive. So you're not just hammering this and you know working all the time on your business. So is there anything that you use personally or you like to recommend? This is so boring, but it's changed my life. Just Google calendars, bro. So I have my wife, myself, obviously, and then our entire business, there's a Google uh, calendar where my wife and I block off time that's like taking our daughter to school. I take my daughter to and from school every single day. I eat breakfast Same here. with that's my family. Huge. Apart from, it's not your daughter, my son, but yeah. Boom, knuckles right here. <laughs> it's knuckles, essential. Bro. That's why I'm, I'm going to make first. sure I finish on time because of, yeah. I'm going to go pick up as well. But that's awesome. And so all of that is blocked in my calendar. And then there are specific spots my team know where I leave myself available that it's up for grabs. Whoever wants it can have it. I'm not super organized. I'm big picture. I move quickly. Um, you know, I wake up and I don't really even know what day of the week it is. I have to be like, is today Tuesday or Wednesday? Oh yeah, it's Wednesday. Like I, that literally happened this morning. I was like, wait, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? So, so that's me. And so what helps me is I block off what I know I need to do, like this podcast, things like that, et cetera. And then my team fills the rest of my schedule, which syncs to my phone, syncs to my computer, syncs to my everything. And so the question you had is, is there some piece of technology or something I'm using that's impacting my life and my business? Dude, having my life scheduled out so that there can't be any overlap. Like if I've got a date with my wife, I'm not going to be like, Oh crap. Sorry, Sonia. Something came up. Yeah. Nobody, nobody could touch that part of the calendar. It was gone. Um, and so it's not sexy. It's not some like brand new startup technology. Out of San brand. <laughs> Dude, so, so you give one calendar, you know, I have personal calendars as well where my wife and I'll write down birthdays yeah. and anniversaries of friends and things like that. But there's a company calendar where I block off what people cannot have, my travels in there, all that stuff. And then they just fill in the blanks. And it's, it's just, that way I have my life balance. I'm not like, oh no, I can't pick up my daughter from school. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's blocked. So anyway, that's, uh, that, that's a game changer for me. It's not sexy, but it's my favorite bit of technology I use in all my companies. Is there a book that springs to mind that really had an impact in you or one that you kind of recommend to people if they want to know like, they want to make money matter more or just one that had an impact to you. There's one on the floor right here. Cause I'm reading it for the sixth time. I would grab oh, it, but <laughs> uh, it's, it's how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Um, I think that that's one of the most impactful books I've ever read. 
Um, we're actually in my library. On the other side of this camera right here is nothing but books. But uh, this one's on the floor because I'm in the middle of reading it. So How to Win Friends and Influence People by Gail, uh, Dale Carnegie. And then I'll throw one out there as well that's one of my favorites that I read once a year is Thinking for a Change by John C. Maxwell. Uh, so Thinking for a Change, John C. Maxwell. And then How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Awesome. Is there a particular favorite quote you have or something that you really resonates with you in terms of how you like to live your life? Um, and I'm going to tell you, it can't be Make Money Matter. <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's actually out of the second book I recommended, um, the book Thinking for a Change by John C. Maxwell. There's a quote, and he says, the truth is you can spend your lives any way you want, but you can spend it only once. And uh, I think that's a great reminder that, you know, there's no, we can do anything we want. We can be great people. We can be lazy. We can be ambitious. We can change the world, or we can just tiptoe to our graves and arrive safely. So we get to choose to spend our lives any way we want, but it's it's – a good reminder to remember we can only spend it once. Awesome. What is your favorite movie of all time and why? Avatar. Um, the creative genius behind it and the fact that James Cameron wrote it 15 years before he actually created it because the technology didn't exist until, uh, what, 2013 when it came out yeah. or whatever. So the story, you know, the, the movie's great, yeah. but the story behind Avatar is what I love about it. Awesome. Well, that's you and my wife. That's her favorite one. That's, oh, really? that's, that's a long one, but it's still... I mean, the movie itself is, it's fast. It's fascinating. It's yeah. great. I, I would, I would say probably fast and the furious would be my favorite. Cause I'm a freaking <laughs> car junkie. Uh, you know, I love cars. Uh, so yeah. I, I enjoy watching those, but the history and the story of yeah. what became avatar. I think and I, I know people get used to it now, but the first time you, like you say, he was pushing the bar. He was, you know, it was the first of that sort. And just the visuals, the first time you see it, it yeah. reminds me, like, if you watch Terminator 2 now, you're just like, Terminator 2. But I remember when it first comes out, yeah. and it's just like, special like Liquid Man coming out of the fire. It's just different yeah. level. So, <laughs> awesome. Um, your best friend would describe you as? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was thinking of Steve that I, that I left, so my, I went to an emotional level. Um, so, currently living best friend. So my well, best I, friend... Let's have both, because, again, that, again, if you don't mind, that would be interesting. Yeah, so uh, uh, my best friend now uh, would describe me as... Dude, I'm so in the season of dadhood. I would, I, I'm thinking of Jared right now. Jared's my best friend. Yeah. And Jared would definitely say, like, describe Cole like family man, dad, like obsessed with his girls. <laughs> like, that, that's who I am, dude. That's all I talk awesome. about. Um, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, Steve, let's see, I was 21. Yeah, back in the day. Probably crazy. He was just one <laughs> word, crazy. I was, I was always crazy. I was, I, was, I was the wildest one that would have the ideas at 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey, let's go to Vegas right now and leave at 3.05 a.m. So that was me nice very nice i did well can't compete with that but i was um, i'm on my, my best mate um he moved to america and he was in uh, san diego state uni and uh we couldn't convince we had the idea like, similar sort of thing like let's jump let's go to tijuana none of his friends would come with us we did get someone to drop us off at the border but yeah <laughs> it was fun tijuana. we survived that one but yeah yeah well that's I, <laughs> that's a wild place to be man i know tj very well it's only two hours from my house it's a bit hazy but i remember up in a sand volleyball court very quickly uh yeah carnage <laughs> wait a minute did you were you down in rosarita was that papa's and beer i think it might have been it was a bit hazy. i know it was it, there was a sand volleyball court in the back or something like that and um yeah i mean my mate came in well, and he's like, where am I? And he next to me looks around and I'm just like diving around this sand volleyball court. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, that's my favorite bar. If you're talking about the same one, it's in, <laughs> it's in Rosarito, which is just South of TJ, but only still only maybe yeah. 20 minutes from the border. Yes, and I think, yeah. it, there is a sand volleyball court in the middle of the bar. And uh, <laughs> I've spent 
countless hours playing on that court, bro. It's a small world, small world. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> so I've got, I've got a little bit sidetracked there. Yeah, so, Papa's a beer, man. <laughs> who would you recommend would be a great interview from your network? And it's, it sounds like quite a network, but some of you think, when you think Awaken Your Alpha, you think, oh, they would give a lot of value and this is really kind of their, their thing. They'll get something out of it too. People who are deep and who I love their message. Um, I think Lewis House is a good friend of mine. I think he would give yeah. phenomenal content. This is, I think this is Destiny Lineup. You're the second person in a week who said that. And uh, he did actually agree to a, an interview because I met him quite a few years ago. And it's just been a scheduling nightmare. And as soon as he went on Ellen, I was like, that's brilliant. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a nightmare to get hold of now. <laughs> that's funny. I'm in, uh, I'm in a group with him. I'm literally going to be with him tomorrow night through Sunday morning. So four days um, he has his own little mastermind of 20 of us. And so yeah. we're going to spend four days together. But, uh, so that's probably why he came to mind. Yeah. I mean, he's awesome, but I'm, I'm literally packing today. Well, if you do get a chance, I'm sure you may have a few things to mention, but just mention, yeah, I had a good interview the other day. And, um, cause I, I think someone else in that mastermind may be mentioning it as well. <laughs> so cool. I, I, I was paying attention to your stalker tactics earlier. So, uh, I'll see if I can get him on, but that's <laughs> sounds perfect. Good. Who would you like to tune in and listen to not from your network? So it could be, you know, The Rock, Arnold, whoever. Who would you think, actually, I'm going to tune into this show? Will Smith. I love Will Smith, dude. Yeah. The guy's freaking rad. Yeah, he's an actor, but man, there's so much content of him on YouTube. He's like a motivational, uh, he's rad. Yeah. Will Smith. And uh, finally, in wrapping up, what does someone need to do apart from being Will Smith or Lewis Howes, et cetera, and all the, you know, the badasses of business you've mentioned? What does someone need to do to speak at Thrive? Uh, so for Thrive, we're looking for a couple of things. Uh, number one, obviously, is influence. Uh, so the first thing we want to see is that obviously they're an expert. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I get a, over 500 requests a year for Thrive. I and bet. that's going to be more this year. It was over 500 last year. Um, and so the number one thing we want to see is, is that they are their authority. Like if they want to, oh, cool, I want to come to Thrive and talk about marketing. Cool. Mm. Then you need to be the number one marketer in the world. Like, or cool. I want to come and talk about mindset. Like John Asraf did. Yeah. Cool. Well, he owns neuro gym and he is the number one authority in that space. You know? So, yes. so like they've got to, they've got to not just be good at, but like own it. Number one, number two, uh, they have to be influential because as, as, what's the word I'm looking for? Not selfish, but as, as sad as it sounds for a startup event, which is what we are yeah. uh, like Tony Robbins, people will show up cause it's Tony Robbins. He's been doing yeah. it for 30 years, but thrive, uh, they don't know what thrive is yet. So then they go to the website and if they see a lot of faces, they don't know they don't come. And so the people have to be influential, not just the own their space, but it's like, Oh my gosh, I see Gary V. Whoa. Grant Cardone. Whoa. Lewis Howes spoke yeah. at both last thrives. Whoa. So, so then they're like, okay, I got to come. So that's it. They have to have big influence. They have to own it. And number three, they've got to be a good human being. I have had, I'm not going to use any names cause I want to disrespect people, but I, I know had, what you're talking about. Yeah. This is a similar thing for my podcast. Cause obviously I know there's some, there's some people out there who are technically right. very sex successful, uh, but I potentially wouldn't like to have a beer with them or, you know, or it's just, it's just, uh, like you say, just not a match in terms of the sort of person. They People are. <laughs> know that thrive is a great positioning tool for them and their brand. So mm. I get solicited even big names, like people who are New York times bestselling authors and on TV shows reach out and say, Hey, their, their PR says, Hey, we'd like to talk about getting them on stage. And I'm like, you know what? They could be a good person in real life, but at least on their TV show, they're painted as an asshole. So mm. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not going to have them come because even if they're a good human being, when people see their face on my website, they're going to be like, why is this guy coming? He's an a-hole. So anyway, so that's another thing is that they're a good human being and that they represent the brand of what Thrive is all about, which is, you know, making money matter, change the world.
been an absolute pleasure. What is the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more? And I heavily recommend Thrive. I haven't been yet, and yet is the key word. Um, yeah, what's the best way to connect? Well, you're coming this year, number one. Number two is <laughs> attendthrive.com. So uh, to learn more about me and, and the event, just go to attendthrive.com. There's videos on there of more of what we talked about, kind of the origin of where this comes from. Um, and then if they want to follow me on social media, it's just one word, Cole Hatter, just at Cole Hatter for Instagram, Snapchat, you name it, at Cole Hatter. I'm going to get hooked in, man, fully. That sounds cool. brilliant, and I'll see you soon. Perfect. All right, thanks, man. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. If you have any interest in podcasts, living life to the max, and how you can get your own TEDx talk, Within the next three months, you need to reach out to me. Head over to ayalpha.com, head over to Facebook, and search for Awaken Your Alpha with ALW and jump on the inside. Let's connect, let's take it to the next level. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.